Holy Spirit's guidance. Good morning, beautiful ladies. Welcome, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Grab your cup of tea or coffee and get comfortable. We are just so happy that you're able to join us today. And let me just see here. I'd love to open, I have the chats open up and I do not see, okay, people are starting to filter in. And let me just double check here because I am not seeing names on this end. People coming in. All right, I think they are. I'm starting to see some names. I'm opening up the chat. Oh, there we go, Sandra, thank you. Good morning. I needed to see that, Sandra. Thank you so much. <laughs> I can't even, like, where is everybody? Did, did they not get in? So please uh, open up those chats and let me know you're here. Uh, it's good to see everyone uh, as much as, well, we can't see you, but we know you are filtering in. I see Judy. Hello, Judy. It's very nice to see you. We see uh -huh. Allison from Tampa. And we have, let me see here. Let me get my, my, uh, yes, beautiful. And we have, <laughs> of course, Leanne from Wisconsin and Trisha from Canada. Welcome huh? from South yeah. Africa. Yeah, that sounds, uh, Dutch. Huh? <laughs> Isn't that beautiful ladies? And Jared, Jared, oh, oh, no, I've learned how to say her name. And I'm going to butcher it, so I'm not going to butcher it. So I'm going to say good morning to Matilda, Linda, Gabrielle from Vermont. Uh, it's ladies. Thank you. Thank you for opening that up. And so we can see that you're here. You give us a peace of mind uh, and comfort knowing that you guys are signing in and you're joining us. And we have Susan from South Carolina and Esther. Always so good to see you with us, Esther. Uh, she's one of our leaders. Love having you here. Uh, so ladies, good morning. We have so much content to cover and we have so much ground to cover, but it, I need to encourage you to go get some pens and paper because you're going to want to take notes. You're going to be learning something you've never learned before. Uh, I'm sure you've heard plenty of sermons on forgiveness, but this takes it to a whole new level. And we are excited to share what God has downloaded um, on our hearts um, and with you beautiful ladies. So we understand there's a lot here. So this is going to carry over till next month as well. So make sure you tune in next month for part two and we will be posting it. So if you miss it or if you um, want to go back and listen again, or if there's content that's new to you and you want to share it, we encourage you to go to Soul Refiner website, our Facebook page, I'm sorry, our Facebook page, and it'll be downloaded there. And we also have podcasts, so you can look that up as well and listen to it. Um, and we're just super excited about what we have to share with you today. So Tiana, I'm going to pass it on to you, sweetie. Hey, what do I do? <laughs> Good morning. We're in trouble already. Good morning. No, no, we are we are in trouble. I'm kidding. In a good way. So last last week, Carissa had her trash, you know, or last month it was the, the trash story. This morning I spilled a whole thing of matcha latte on myself and all over the floor. It was like a the green, green stuff? puddle. The green stuff. I oh. know. I know. I'm oh, weird. Dear. I like that stuff. So, you know. Anyway, that was my thing. <laughs> no, today is going to be really powerful, okay? Uh, joking aside, we have a an amazing, deep teaching that I really feel is so important for everyone who's going through the journey of healing from betrayal. Mm. And the Lord downloaded this in Carissa last minute, but it's so powerful because when she shared it with us, I mean, it just brought tears to both me and Christina because it, it, it was so powerful. This is such a revelation from the Holy Spirit and it's biblical all the way. So I'm so excited for you to share this. But one of the things that I, I wanna contextualize in, in this whole thing about forgiveness is what does unforgiveness do to you when, when, when you don't forgive? Because the thing about betrayal, um, when I was healing from my own experience of, of betrayal, uh, I was taught for almost three years that you delay betrayal. You don't, I'm sorry, you delay forgiveness. Um, you wait on forgiveness until kind of like the end of your journey when you're ready to forgive, then you forgive. And that did a lot of damage to me. That kept me in a mental prison for about three and a half years. It's terrible. I, I, <laughs> oh my gosh, I remember how, you know, at first I thought I had every right to not forgive because, uh, you know, I, this 
the perpetrator deserves this. You know, I, I, I'm the victim here. Sure, I, I, I should forgive when I feel like it, even though Jesus says, you know, forgive your enemies. He didn't put um, an exact timeline on that, but it's immediate. When, when you understand the Bible, it, it is, this is an immediate thing. And yet so much of this teaching is being taught with from Christian counselors and, and therapists, which I, I find really shocking, but it, it happened to me. It happened, uh, I went through two different programs on Christian healing from betrayal, and, and they both told me the same thing. The other one even told me, hey, keep a record of wrongs. You have to keep a, jur a journal, seriously, That's keep crazy. a journal. This was the last one I went to. Keep a journal of all the wrong things, because that will give you clarity. That will help you see your situation and understand what's going on. I can't tell you what that did to me personally. I almost really, I lost my mind at one point. It just made me so depressed and so hopeless. And it, it really would have sabotaged and destroyed our marriage had I continued going down that route. And this is why forgiveness is important. But it's also important to understand what that process looks like practically and the spiritual consequences and principles behind it. And so, Chris, I really just want you to take it away because we only have an hour here to get into this and there's so much. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, actually, I want to, if we can pass over the Christina. Oh, yeah, yeah. With, we want to share our stories. That's right, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, thank you, Tiana. And and I do want to let you know the chat is open for you ladies to communicate with each other. But because of the depth of what we are teaching and sharing, uh, the three of us won't have a chance to individually address your questions. But please add them in there because we are recording them and we can get to your questions next month. Um, and so we, we just want you to know you are heard, you are a part of this, but we want to give uh, focus today and attention to what the Holy Spirit is downloading on each one of us. So in regards to forgiveness, um, many of you have heard my story. And if you hadn't, I encourage you to go back to our uh, recordings. We have a bunch of recordings from these events. And we had one last December. And it was called If Their Marriage Survived This. And Lamar and I sat down with uh, Tiana and Jeremy, and we talked through our journey. And it, we walked through, my husband did have an affair, and uh, our, our, his infidelity was very public because his affair partner was murdered. Uh, as, along with her best friend. And so our story was very publicized. It was very out of the blue for me, uh, very sudden. I became very sick. Uh, it was extremely scary how fast everything happened where my world was turned upside down. And so my forgiveness story, actually, I believe it started the day, you know, everything had exploded. I'm hiding in my house and I hear a knock at the door. And I check out the window to make sure it's not media because they were hounding us. And it was my neighbor and I didn't know her well. And, and the Holy Spirit just prompted me, just open the door, just open the door. And I did <laughs> reluctantly. And she came in, she said, well, I, I've heard what happened and I want you to know you're not alone. And I was thinking, oh, thank you, Jesus. You've sent someone that's been through the storm to be here with me. And so she came in and she sat down on my couch and she just started opening up about her broken marriage, the infidelity, the way her husband cheated on her, uh, what they went through in divorce. And, and her story, though, was wrapped up in so much pain and so much bitterness. And she was talking about how um, the kids were being used as pawns to manipulate one another and how mm -hmm. now one is dating and one isn't and, and the, the, the custody and the child support money. And there's just so much anger and resentment and bitterness. And I was just, I, I watched this unfold and I remember asking her, well, are, do you plan on forgiving him? And, and she looked at me and she said, oh no, infidelity, betrayal, that is the unforgivable sin. It's the unforgivable sin. I, you don't have to forgive, sweetie. You will never, ever be able to forgive your husband for what he did. You just need to move on. And so she left and I was sitting there going, oh Jesus, why, why did you bring this woman to my door? And then I realized it was because he was showing me a picture of what I could become. I had wow. a decision to make in that moment. Was I going to be forgiving or was I going to hold on to bitterness and resentment and let that define me? Now, mind you, she was five years out from her story and this was still consuming her from the beginning of her journey. And I got a glimpse of what I could be. And I decided right then and there, I said, God, show me how to handle this journey in a graceful way. How can I be the picture of you every step of the way? Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And so that's what I did. I just committed to, okay, I will forgive him and I'll forgive him again and again if I need to. And I will stay until you tell me it's time to go. And so that was the beginning of my journey. Um, Lamar did have a, a turnaround. He did have a moment where he finally came down, that, you know, fell on his knees and, and he came home. And I remember the day, and this is what I've been praying for and begging for. I've been on my knees for every single day, bring Lamar home, bring the father of my four boys home. Don't let this house be divided. Don't take my husband um, and, you know, away from me. And I remember just begging and begging. And so when Lamar came over to our house one day and just said, how could you ever forgive me? And I said, I do, I do, I, I forgive you. And I just gave this, you know, blanket forgiveness, knowing that that's what Jesus was calling me to do, knowing that uh, if I wanted to be forgiven, I need to forgive him. But I didn't do the work that came with it. And Lamar saw it as a, well, this is great. She forgives me and I don't need to share anything. I don't have to be accountable to anything. I don't have to be tested. And so we went through the motions together and tried to patch up our, our marriage and it wasn't working. I and mean, we didn't have what I thought would be our happily even after coming out of you know, the journey that we came through. I forgave him. I thought God was going to give us this beautiful, redeemed and restored marriage. And we just kind of white knuckled recovery. Um, eventually it, it, it got really bad and God showed me that he was still acting out and he was still in affairs. And at that point in time, we realized we needed extra help. And that's when he came across Conquer Series uh, with the group in recovery and his life started turning around and he was able to address the sins, address the strongholds in his life, address the addiction in his brain. And I saw huge changes in him, but my heart wasn't changing. I mean, I forgave him. He was home, but I wasn't feeling more love for him. I saw this man and, and I knew he was doing great things and becoming the man I was praying for him to become, but I was still being triggered all the time, ladies. I mean, everything triggered me. I mean, the, the, the affair partner's name, uh, the other affair partner's names, uh, cities, streets, holidays, my ring, family pictures, you name it. I mean, just waking up in the morning, realizing it was my reality. And, and I started asking myself, why did I forgive him? If I don't love him, why don't I forgive him? And then we were invited to be part of the Stronger uh, Together filming. And that's where I learned about intimacy anorexia. And I realized, oh my goodness, that's me. The reason why I gave a blanket apology of forgiveness is because I didn't want to deal with what it cost me. I didn't want to deal with the work that was needed to truly heal my soul wounds that it cost. And so it wasn't until we saw that Stronger Together. If you don't know what I'm talking about in regards to intimacy anorexia, I highly encourage you, if this story resonates truth with you, if you're struggling, feeling connected and truly forgiving your, your husband, this could be something you're struggling with too. And so once I started doing the, the hard work in the Stronger Together series, that's when I realized, wow, th this, this, is, this is something, I, forgiveness is a journey. It's not one and done. You know, the reason why Jesus says 70 times seven, which is really infinity that we're supposed to forgive is because I'm daily forgiving Lamar. I'm daily forgiving the people that have hurt me in my past. So when people say, have you forgiven Lamar? I, I mean, yes, I have forgiven him. But honestly, the true words are I am forgiving him, daily committing to taking the next step to forgive him. That's awesome. Yeah. So I love that. That was a picture of what forgiveness looked like in recovery. And I know you're going to cover that more later, Christina. And your story is slightly different. A little bit different. <laughs> a little bit different. Yeah. You know, this, uh, if you don't mind yeah. sharing a little bit of yeah. yours. Career, so. um, full, uh, full transparency. <clears throat> I told Tiana, I've, I've, I feel a little nervous today sharing. And I typically don't feel too nervous. But part of it is that over the past two days, I've really been just ingesting so much information and listening to teaching about forgiveness and and what does the word say and I felt like the Holy Spirit has really been downloading stuff to me so it's it's still fresh and I'm nervous about butchering it, but I think while we're sitting here and I'm listening. I think a lot of uh, some of that is sharing my story publicly for the first time I really have never done that it's always been with that's right. close family and friends and so this is a first for me <laughs> yeah right. so um but uh yeah I was I was raised in a Christian home um I feel like I've been serving the Lord my whole entire life gave my heart to the Lord when I was like four or five years old felt a calling to um, the mission field and to rescuing orphans and abandoned children. I mean, from a very early age. <laughs> and uh, 
you know, growing up, life wasn't perfect. And I, I had some childhood wounds and um, some trauma there. But I was so determined that that I knew what my call was, and I was going to be a godly wife and a godly mother. And there wasn't anything that I couldn't do. Jesus and I together were just going to, you know, fix the world. And um, I was eager to get married and a little naive. Um, I didn't party. I, I was a virgin. I, you know, I lived a pretty decent moral life. Yeah. And so I got into a relationship and, and a little naive and, and did, certainly didn't understand anything about sexual addiction at all whatsoever. And so the, the little red flags that I did see, I, I kind of overlooked because he loved, he loved God and I loved God and I was just going to be a good praying wife and, and I could fix it because my role in life was the fixer. That was my job. I yeah. fixed things. I fixed everybody. I fixed situations. I fixed people. And so I could fix that. Um, so fast forward and um, I'm serving in full-time ministry, got a house full of adopted children. And I start to see things that I had never seen before and out comes sexual addiction. And I didn't know what to do with it. And the discovery of, oh, I've got a husband that's looking at porn. What do I do? But I couldn't tell anybody because on the outside, I was strong. I was independent. Um, people came to me to ask what I thought about things, you know, that they were looking for me to give them advice. How would I go to someone else and tell them this is what's going on in my home? I couldn't do that. And I slowly started to, to break down as a person. I mean, I hated myself. I hated who I had become. I, I was so depressed and I just felt like my world was being swallowed up by something that I, I couldn't control and I couldn't fix. I wasn't praying this away, it wouldn't go away. And so like most women, we, it was, you know, what's that rinse cycle repeat with pornography right. and it was, I'll do better. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get better. And, and this purge. just went on. Yeah. Just binge purge. And, and this went on and on and on and on and on. And no one knew. And I hated myself, it, you know, and then it started to be, it was me. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't, uh, whatever enough I couldn't satisfy. And, and just that, and, and I wasn't a good enough Christian because obviously I'm doing something wrong that my spiritual life can't fix his life. Yeah. And, and the self-hatred just became intense. Um, I'm, and there's a lot of gaps to the story, but we got to get through. So fast forward and, and now I'm living in um, a foreign country, rescuing children, women from and children from sex trafficking and working with orphans and traumatized children. And this has become my passion in my life. And all the while, I've got this marriage that is sinking in this in this sexual addiction. Um, now I'm dealing with a lot of um, things that happen when you're in that that type of ministry, and my life is being threatened. Um, I'm I'm dealing with PTSD from other things that are going on, mm -hmm. and I I come back to the United States. We we adopted more children. I come back to the United States, and the Lord uses what I'm doing now um, here with Kingdom Works to start to heal my brain and my body because I had I was gone as a person I was just riddled in so much depression and PTSD from so many other things but on top of it compacted with the weight of what was going on in this hidden life that was going on in my marriage and then by the grace of God, he started to prepare, prepare me for what I was going to find out that it was more than just porn. And um, disclosure came, and, and that only came about by the Holy Spirit pressing yes. and saying, there's more, you need to find out more. Mm -hmm. I had nothing to go on. That was absolutely the Lord giving me this direction and this insight of press, there's more, there's more, there's more. And, and I listened to that and I was relentless. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up. And then finally there was, um, disclosure and it didn't just happen once. It was multiple, uh, yeah, it's which a dribble. is horrendous, horrendous. It's like laying on the, on the, I like what Doug Weiss says. He's like, it's just like being shot over and over again. And it it's, is. It's horrible. Yeah. 
and my whole body broke down. I mean, I just started to just crumble. I remember. And um, Mm -hmm. it wasn't good, but God was so gracious Mm -hmm. and he had given me all this knowledge ahead of time about sexual addiction and and forgiveness Mm -hmm. and mercy. And and so- You were um, helping me with From the Ashes Mm because when we were filming From the Ashes, Carissa was helping me a lot with the research. And so she didn't know that this was about to be her story. And that's how merciful God was. Yeah. You know? yeah, I know. I can remember sitting in the filming of Warpath. I'm sitting there and I'm listening to Doug teach. And I'm like, this is my life. <laughs> like, yeah. what is going on? Right? But God was so gracious and he was preparing me. And and so um, I did, we did have a, after a few months, there was a, a moment of reconciliation. And I wanted, my position was I wanted to lay everything down and allow God an opportunity to do something miraculous. And I wanted to step out of the way, no matter how bad I was hurting, I wanted to step out of the way. Um, but I, you know, just to rewind just a minute, after disclosure, I do remember going into a room and I said, God, I have seen what forgiveness and unforgiveness can do. I don't want unforgiveness. So I, I, I don't know how to forgive, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna succumb to the effects of unforgiveness. Yes. I gotta get it out. Yeah. So no matter what happens, I'm choosing that path. Just help me get there. Um, and so there was a, a time, a few months of reconciliation with the understanding that um, if I ever felt like there wasn't works being done that supported this um, uh, recovery, recovery. Yeah. If, if I ever felt like I wasn't safe and that I was going to return to the old life, then I was out. And um, I can tell you that forgiveness is possible without reconciliation. Yes. My story didn't end. My marriage didn't end the way that um, mm-hmm. certainly didn't go the way I thought it would go, yeah. but it's not the end of my story. And God has a new part of my story and it wasn't through reconciliation. And And now I am a single mom, and um, mm-hmm. but I have found forgiveness and yeah. and a friendship. I you know I don't harbor any bitterness or anger towards my ex husband. I mean we you know we're friends by all you know we have children and and so it's possible it can be done but it just looks different. It does and that's a thing. I I mean I'm sorry I I know what she's been through. I mean we we <laughs> you know yeah it's it's very emotional to bring it up. <laughs> Because, you know, when you're walking through your sister who's going through so much pain and you've been there yourself, you know, it just, this stuff is raw, you know. Um, so for Carissa to sit here today and to get on the, the side of healing, despite of everything that's happened, this is only Jesus, only God. We, we cannot forgive yes. out of our own strength. No. It is impossible to forgive out of your own strength. Impossible. You can only do it through the cross and through the Holy Spirit. You can only be like Christ on this journey if you follow him on a narrow path you know and And, and see that you know there's it's not like there aren't moments that creep Mm. in even after you know you have forgiven that i can't say that i don't have a moment where a thought creeps in and and reminds me of of the pain or whatever but the the test of forgiveness is now when i have those moments i'm laying it at the feet of the cross and not at the feet of my ex-husband expecting him to fix it i'm laying it at the cross counting on Jesus to fill where that where that void is. That's right. Completely different. That is right. And this is what I I tell women as well, because I had to learn this myself. This isn't something, you know, uh, I learned this through Jesus. He discipled me through my healing. He really did. Is that your healing has to start from the cross, because if the healing that you seek is out of your own strength, yeah, you'll find some sort of healing. But healing through the cross always guarantees a resurrection. We don't know what that resurrection is going to look like. And I was telling Krissa and, and Christina yesterday, you know, it feels like this, you know, you're, you're a caterpillar. And, and when you go through, you know, you go in, the caterpillar goes into a cocoon and it goes through the pupa stage. I don't know what you call that stage. doesn't know what it's going to look like. But what happens during that stage is it dissolves into goo, complete goo. It has no shape. It, it, is, it is nothing but slime. But God is doing something, even in the shapeless gooeyness of what this thing is. And in the end, it comes out as a butterfly. But try to intervene with that process and see what happens when you don't trust God when you're, you're, when you're in here. You know, the cocoon is a cross. 
And if you allow him to shape you, you just obey, you just submit to him, you will have a resurrection. And that's what I see in you, Carissa. That's what I see in you, Christina. And that's what he's done in my own life. And that's why we're able to share these things. Carissa, if you don't mind um, going through, you know, I, I know in your teaching on forgiveness, you talk about the relationship between the curse and the covenant. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really powerful. Do you mind yeah. going yeah. into that? Yeah. And so, like I said, I hope I don't butcher this because it's all you know, so you won't know, but, um, you know, it, it really <laughs> starts with, um, I, well, what the Lord has led me to is the story of Joseph and, um, the story of Joseph really doesn't have to do with Joseph. It has more to do with Jacob. And that story really goes back to the beginning with Genesis and all through Genesis, we see this, this theme that is weaved into Genesis of covenant. And that is land seed and the covenant. And, and it's all through creation. You know, we have the creation of man, the covenant, the the seed through the plants and the, the you know, it's all it's all through and it's just weaved in and out through Genesis. Um, but you get to the story of Joseph and um, and that picks up where that covenant takes over. And just to back up. OK, so we 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 get to where Jacob, he had 12 sons and um, Joseph was not the promised seed of of Jacob, but instead it was Judah. Judah was the promised seed. And everyone knows the story of Joseph, how his brothers hated him. And, you know, really admittedly, Jacob wasn't that great of a father. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of jealousy issues going on and he showed favoritism. And the reason he showed favoritism is because he loved um, Joseph's mother more yeah. than Rachel, Rachel more yeah. than the others. Um, yeah, so then we get to the story of Joseph's dreams and he has three encounters with dreams. And um, that is God gives him a dream about his brothers and that his brothers are going to be bowing down to him. Um, and then while he is in, enslaved in Egypt, there is, he's in prison and then he's, he, he interprets the dreams from the other prisoners. And then Joseph ends up interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh. So he's got these these experiences with dreams. So God has given this guy a superpower, but of, of interpreting dreams. That's right. In a, sense, a, a gift. Yeah, but at the same right. time, God also has given a covenant, a promise to his father, Jacob, and also a promise to him personally, somehow, yes, right? That's right. The covenant. The covenant is the promise. That's right. But the now what's going is on promise. is the yeah. curse, right? Yeah. And so, and, and I know we're, you know, I hope one day we really get to dive into this with a lot more. So I'm trying to give you like the summary points of this. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you uh sorry we're having technical issues my brother just walked in and said move over we're not focused it's very distracting jeremy <laughs> <laughs> so um okay so i'm back to what i was saying um that's so okay so basically now joseph is living through the curse because of his brother's sinful decisions yes right yes. okay yeah. so we think that a lot of what we're taught is that the story of joseph is this incredible story of favor that he has favor with Pharaoh that that he gets all this favor he's made a leader and all this but that's really not the significance of his story because if you start examining the scriptures I'm just going to go down through here in Genesis 41 if you look at scripture the the verse 40 he tells Pharaoh tells Joseph you shall be over my house but this isn't the house of the covenant that he made with Jacob. In verse 41, he said, I've set you over the land of Egypt, but it's not the right land. That's not the covenant land. In verse 42, he places his ring and robe on him, but that's not the right ring and robe. That's not the, the robe that his father placed on him. So, and then again, it says that Pharaoh commanded in verse 43, Pharaoh commanded the Egyptians to bow their knee to Joseph. And the pagans willingly did this, um, but that's not his people. That's not part of the covenant. Those are not his people. And then in verse 45, Pharaoh took away Joseph's name and gave him a new name, but that wasn't his Hebrew name. He removed part of that covenant that he had. That wasn't the covenant. And then again in verse 45, he gives Joseph a pagan wife. Again, not part of the covenant. So all these things that we look at and we say, well, that was a favor of God. That was favor. That wasn't favor. All those things were outside of the covenant. It was favor in human terms, right? But not in line with the promise. It wasn't the actual the, promise or the blessing. It wasn't part of the right, blessing. Right. But here's here's the exciting part that and what what the Lord showed me is because I have felt like recently, like I felt stuck 
And my prayer has been, God, and I've even expressed this to Gianna and Chrissy. I'm like, I feel stuck. I'm like, I know I have forgiven. I know I have forgiven. Why do I feel like I've like I don't have any joy? That I feel stuck in this blah, this what is this? Yeah. And and Christina once told me, she said, Chrissy, you gotta grieve the loss. You have to grieve. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna grieve that loss. I lost 20 years of my life. And but I still couldn't get through. I'm like, what is this? What is holding me back? And it was through this story of Joseph that the light went off and the Lord showed me that's what it is. It's because there is a dual purpose to forgiveness. There's two parts to it of, yes, we have to forgive and we have to let go, but there's another part. And this is where it's really exciting. Yeah, talk about this one. Yeah, the two so times. Joseph, he has this pagan wife, yeah. but they have two children. And their names are Manasseh, and I'm going to butcher it, but I think it's Ephraim. Ephraim. We're going to say Ephraim. I don't know <laughs> if I'm saying it right. Yeah. But Manasseh and Ephraim. And Joseph chose Hebrew names for them. Even though he was in a pagan country serving pagan people, He and his, and his Hebrew name was taken away, he chose the blessing, the covenant. He chose to give them Hebrew names, and it's so significant. The first one is Manasseh. Manasseh means the actual what it says in the fact God has made me forget all my hardships and all my father's house. In other words, I let it all go. Manasseh just means I let it go. But Carissa, I know, you know what, when, no, when I was reading this, uh, God has made me forget all my hardships and all my father's house. In other words, God has helped me forget all of my pain and all of my losses. Yes. My losses, all of my father's house. Yeah. you know yeah Ugh. all the way back to the betrayal in his family yeah. I mean, and in his he brothers and that. he lost it all yeah yeah so yeah that's yeah, no, very good and then Ephraim means God has made me fruitful in the land of my infliction so in other words I'm blessed despite my suffering because I belong to the promise I have a covenant with my father that was the second part of my forgiveness journey that I was missing. I did that. I let it go. I let it go. I let it go. I let it go. It's gone. Okay. I, I'm over it. But I forgot about my covenant, my blessing that I have with God, that although Joseph, all of those things were, were broken, his covenant with God was not broken. He still had a covenant with God. And that is the part that we have to, we have to lock onto in our healing and with forgiveness is yes we have to let it go now we need to turn our eyes and say and i have a covenant with god i have a blessing what is my future when i walk with christ that's right. what does that future look like right. and for me that's what i was missing because i kept thinking oh my gosh i'm just i've lost so much of my life mm -hmm. i there's nothing left i don't what what am i going to what do i have to offer mm -hmm. what's left mm -hmm. i don't have a broken covenant with God. My covenant with God still stands and there's still a promise. Exactly. That's Isn't right. It is so that. powerful. It Chris, I, I, I do want to just, I know you're nervous about this message, but I'm reading the chats right now and, <laughs> and people are saying, wow, this is rich. And, and, and thank you for sharing your story. Your story is mine and woohoo. Amen. So good. I love this story of Joseph. You're getting a lot of encouragement from your sister, sweetie. So keep well, going. I'm not honey. doing, thank you. I'm not doing this story justice and you hopefully are. we can put you this down and make it, but I do want to, yeah. So keep you know, encouragement coming ladies. Thank you. <laughs> But, um, you know, here's just some notes that I put. Here's what Joseph's story, here's what he's saying. I found blessing in the hardship and I aligned myself with the promise of God. Although suffering has changed me, my name, my home, my family, it doesn't get to change the covenant promise I have with God. And then I chose not to be identified with my past pain. I have let it go so that I can be fruitful so that the covenant God has with my people can be fulfilled. That's right. That's the message of Joseph. Essentially. It's not favor per se. It's about that covenant and that it's forgiveness and, and holding on to the covenant that everything around you can change. Everything can change, but your covenant with God doesn't change. That's right. And that's all we need because there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees if this marriage is going to work out or, or this is going to get healed or what. The only guarantee we have is Christ. He's our only guarantee. And he promises. What does he promise? I will never leave you or forsake you. Your husband may forsake you. Your parents may have forsaken you. Your kids may. I will yeah. never leave you or forsake you. Yeah. Oh. But here's the key, Tiana. If you don't give birth to a Manasseh, you're not going to give birth to an Ephraim. 
Ooh, you have to yes. give birth to, to Manasseh first. That's the let it go first. Yes. If you don't give birth to that, then you don't get the promise because unforgiveness yes. clogs the drain. You can't. Explain you're gonna that. Feel, yeah, there, yes. is, there are spiritual consequences to <clears throat> unforgiveness. And if we want to move in God's blessings, then you have to forgive. It's a commandment. We don't get a choice. And if you're not forgiving, it's rebellion. That's right. It just is. And I know that's painful because we we want to justify and we want to say, but you, mm-hmm. but I've been hurt. I've been wounded. This mm-hmm. is horrible. This is, I get it. Ladies, I get it. But And someone just said, forgiveness is the key to free. It that's is. right. It absolutely yes. is. Yes. You will not walk in the blessings of God. You will not walk to the net. You can't fix what happened to you. Mm-hmm. You can't fix it. But if you want to walk in God's blessings and you want a future and you want to maintain that covenant then you have to forgive that's absolutely Mandatory. right it is because what's what does the other picture look like you know when you don't forgive you withhold forgiveness yeah. then you're you're not obeying god you're hardening your heart you're not softening it you're not softening it to listen to his instructions to you which will lead you to life which will lead you to making really good decisions for you and your family and your future and and that's what i what happened to me is that my heart hardened and God really had to break that in me and make me realize that, yeah, okay, so you've been hurt, but you're not acting like Christ. You're taking things in your own hands and you think you're justified by saying, this is my right. I have a right to be angry. Yes, you have a right to be angry, but you have a right to stay angry and let that anger be sinful. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a divine type of anger, but there's an- another anger that is selfish, you know? Um, That's right. Yeah. You know, and the beautiful part of of Joseph's story is it it turns around and it does go back to the seed and the purpose behind Joseph's story is his suffering and God allowed him to suffer. God allowed him to be uh, thrown into. I mean, if anybody could be bitter and hateful and unresentful, it was Joseph. His brothers were jealous of him for just sharing a dream that God gave him. I mean, they, they threw him in a pit. They left him for dead. They sold him into slavery. He was accused of rape um he was imprisoned again i mean he was he went through all these things Mm -hmm. why why did he do that and the purpose was that in that in that god had planned that suffering for a reason and the reason was to preserve the promised seed like i said in the beginning the promised seed wasn't joseph it was his brother judah and judah follows the lineage that leads up to david that follows the line to the savior of the world jesus christ And the reason that he preserved that seed is because in that time there was a famine and through the the forgiveness that he offered his brothers i'm doing the really fast condensed story but his brothers come back into the picture he's forgiven them and he calls for the father and the brothers to come and and to be in egypt where joseph has been saving grain and preserving life And the reason for his suffering is because if he would not have gone through what he went through, he would not be able to save the life of Judah. And the scripture actually says, and I don't remember, I think it's 45.8, is that God sent him there to preserve life. And because Joseph was used in Egypt to store up grain, he preserved Judah from starving to death. That's right. Which preserved the seed. That was God's purpose. God has purpose in your pain and suffering. He's not going to let it go to waste. And that was what God did in Joseph's That's life. That's right. But think about Judah. Who did Judah, who were, who were his uh, descendants? That's right. Right? So Judah, and then later on you see David, and mm-hmm. then later on you see Jesus. That's right. right? And it goes all the way, yeah, yeah, all the way down. So yeah. ultimately, you know, it plays out him preserving the life of Judah. We have the promised seed of Jesus Christ. That's right. And somebody nailed it here. Joseph's obedience and how he forgave through all his yuck is how God used those ridiculous situations for his That's heavenly right. glory. That's exactly right. That's, it. That's exactly It is total obedience. Chris, you're and, nailing it. That's one. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry for punching you. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Yeah. I, I do Maybe. want you to... Um, and. I, I know you you want to con- maybe if you want to continue with Joseph or I think it's important to also talk about for this forgiveness and 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 it's um sorry my brain just got clogged <laughs> uh, how do we practically apply this okay because I know unforgiveness has all these physical effects as well yeah you know, right it, not just a does, spiritual consequence it does Diana and the spiritual consequences are you know that's all through scripture and we can pull up or we have to forgive if we're not forgiven how will our father forgive it's a commandment right and and like we said it does clog the pipe you're not in relationship you're not in covenant with the father if you can't forgive 
but also it has physical consequences on our body. You know, the amygdala, which is the emotional center of our brain, it just totally goes out of whack and it starts this biochemical process and it activates adrenal glands that shoot Mm -hmm. up our cortisol and now we're gaining weight and um, we have inflammation and fatigue and irritability and all these things are going on. And then uh, rumination, which you talked a lot about in From the Ashes, how we just ruminate on these thoughts and- and Those brain trails. Yeah, those brain trails. And then we actually, There's this um, this thing that happened that can happen to us where we our brain releases dopamine and we get a pleasure yes. from watching our you know, the person that sinned against us suffer. So every time that they suffer, we get these dopamine rushes, which causes us to keep going back again and again and again mm-hmm. and helping to per- perpetuate and, and mm-hmm. cause suffering. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we have all these effects on our body that just, yeah. it breaks down terribly. It breaks down, but it also molds us. Our, our choice to not forgive molds a character in us that looks totally different from Christ. And what you were talking about, uh, the dopamine and all this, there's a term for it called Schadenfreude. It's a German term, which is gloating. It's gloating when you see uh, someone who did you wrong, an offender or a perpetrator, that something bad happens to them, and now you're gloating. <laughs> you know, that, you yeah. know uh, what comes around, goes around comes around, whatever that saying is, you mm-hmm. know, um, and you feel good. And, and, and it's actually shaping your brain. What we don't understand is these spiritual decisions that we're making, these moral decisions we're making to not forgive, to withhold forgiveness is shaping our brain. It is creating brain trails yeah. that change who we are. And yeah. I don't want that. My identity in Christ is the most important thing I want to preserve, no matter yeah. what happens. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's important it that we identify, we define what is forgiveness. Yes. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Forgiveness doesn't mean overlooking or excusing sin. Forgiveness just simply means I no longer hold a debt against the person who has sinned against me. That's, That's right. it. I don't hold That's a right. debt. It's it's letting that go. And you know, there's there's two types of forgiveness. There's unilateral forgiveness and transactional forgiveness. Yes. Unilateral forgiveness is I forgive you whether you ask for it or not. And and that often applies to, you know, if it's a minor offense or if the person never comes and asks for forgiveness. It's just, I give it freely because I'm not carrying this burden of your sin. That's give right. It. And mm-hmm. then there's transactional forgiveness, which is, I, I want to restore the relationship. And and that also, that takes place, especially with, with married couples who want to restore the relationship. Mm-hmm. They want to work on reconciliation. So they go through there's transaction. There's a transaction. There's a transaction. Yeah. And mm-hmm. ironically, Joseph's story, outlines how we can put transactional um, forgiveness to a test and we can test it in ourselves and then we can test it against the person who is repenting who's the offender in other words you have to test forgiveness when you're in a relationship that's moving towards restoration that's right you test it yeah. So, yes. And that's where I failed miserably. I'm sorry, to, but no, 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 no. when yeah. I first welcomed Lamar back, I wanted to just move on and go back to the way things were and brush things under the rug. And, and I didn't test the forgiveness. And so he was still acting out. I mean, because we had no boundaries in place. We had no safeguards. There was no, uh, you know, we weren't working in recovery. We were just using hope as a method that everything would just go back <laughs> and that we would be restored or redeemed or be able to make it. And that doesn't work. That no, doesn't and- work. It wasn't until I learned in recovery about boundaries and how I need to help him establish those and how I need boundaries too. And what that looks like in recovery. I mean, those were all key essential steps uh, along the way for the journey of forgiveness. It's not just blanket one and done. Yes. And um, I, I believe it's Brenda said forgiveness is daily. It's ongoing. Yes. yes. 70 times seven. That's not 490 times and your heart is healed. That's mm-hmm. every day you're taking a step towards that forgiveness um, because your body will remind you and show you areas where it's not. That's exactly right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think too, that, <clears throat> you know, if it's not directly taught, it's certainly implied and like in, in churches that, that, I grew up in and and teaching that I heard is that a good godly wife forgives and then we move on and we forget and we just move (laughs) on our wifely duty is just you know don't if you bring that stuff up then that means you haven't forgotten you've not forgiven Mm. and that's not quite how it goes and we can Mm -mm. see that in in 
and Joseph's story, and he shows that it's not wrong to put repentance to the test. If you're working for towards restoration of the relationship, you should put it to the test. That's not wrong, ladies. Do not feel bad and don't have anybody convince you that testing it is is wrong. That's it's right. not. Wisdom. There's so much wisdom yeah. in that. So yeah. here's what we have. We've got um, uh, Joseph puts his brothers to the test. I don't know if you remember that in the story, how he hides uh, money and, and a gold his or a, cup. a silver cup. Yeah. He puts that in his, he's setting them up. He wants to see, are they really repentant? Or have they changed? Are they the same people that they were before? Right. Have they changed? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, where was I going with that? Wasn't Judah as well who kind of stepped up? He and did. That's right. Judah that's stepped right. up. The, the seed yeah that's right yeah mm -hmm. and we can find that and you know maybe we maybe a good thing to do is we can list some of these scriptures for how women yeah. can go back and, yes, read, and read deeply into it yeah i think that would be a really good idea but if the betrayer has repented and is seeking forgiveness in order to reconcile then they have a responsibility to show you to put it into action that they have truly repented and they're turning from their ways completely that's not wrong i think that's the bottom line that yeah. that women need to understand that it's not wrong to question it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Now we also have to do, um, we have to test to see if we've really forgiven. And Joseph shows that in, uh, in his story too. And so I've got a question here. Are you protecting the process of restoration? So wait a minute. These are questions you need to ask if you're going to put uh, forgiveness or repentance to the test, right? Yes. These are the questions. Yes. So if okay. this is how you uh, test for yourself to see, <clears throat> it mm -hmm. is so hot in here. It is really hot. That's why we keep, that's why we keep. <gasps> yes. So um, in Genesis 45, 1, Joseph sent everyone out of the room before he confronted his brothers. Mm, that's a good one. He sent all the Egyptians away. Everyone that had, anyone that had nothing to do with what happened to him, he sent them out of the room. So to expose his brothers to everyone would have been out of vengeance. If you are bringing everybody into your business that has nothing to do with helping you to restore the relationship, like a counselor, a pastor, you know, a, someone that is actually helping you with mm -hmm. restoration, then you are not operating out of forgiveness. You're operating out of vengeance. Mm -hmm. So that's basically telling us if you're bringing everybody into your business because you want to expose them, that's not operating out of a heart of forgiveness. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. And sometimes it's not even it's not just all been vengeance. It's also self-pity. It's yeah. like, oh, I want someone to like acknowledge what I'm feeling. I need this moral support. Yeah, you need support, but that that that's that's wrong. Flaunting your laundry to just anybody. Yeah. You want to yeah. you want to protect the process of restoration. That's it. Protect that, the process of restoration. How does that resonate with you, Christina, about protecting? Like, because you were in a situation of having to protect that process. Absolutely. Well, I went too extreme, to be honest with you, Chris. I, I protected it initially and didn't tell anyone. And, mm. and those secrets made me sick. Um, it, but it wasn't until I was very prayerful and mindful about who I did uh, invite in to help me with my recovery journey that I started getting healing. I needed community, but I needed safe people. And I needed to, to um, uh, my family, they don't know all the details of the story. They love me, but they weren't safe for me to be able to disclose those things because they're biased towards me. They love me and they don't want to see me hurt. So they're going to try to protect me from the pain. But sometimes you need to go through the pain. Sometimes God needs you to be in the pain because that's where I grew closest to God in the journey was in the trenches. And my loved ones would just want to yank me out of there and fix it and make it better. But I needed to be there so I could lean on Jesus and to grow closer to him. So to be, I, mean, I just highly encourage people, yes, don't be public with it. Don't tell everybody you meet about your story, but you do need to tell somebody. You do need a safe community. Yes. You do need people yeah. that are going to allow you to make your own decisions and not tell you what to do. Because this is a journey where God will speak directly to you. I'm a huge advocate of that. I get all the time, what should I do? Should I leave? Should I go? You're never going to hear it from me unless <laughs> yeah. And unless there's there's trauma from, to you or the kiddos, I'm going to say stay and fight um, or, or, or listen to God. I'm sorry, I'm going to say listen to God and he will tell you whether to stay or whether to go. Yeah. And so it, everyone has a direct line to God. You don't need a portal. You don't need to find someone else and have them tell you what God told them. And he will tell you directly when it's time to go, when you need to leave. And he will put the people in your life that are safe uh, to help you with your healing. 
That's, That's right. right. And, and you will notice your body will tell you another variable there, Chris, that I just want to add is that if you're being triggered all the time, um, you know, going back to our body reveals the trauma that we have. If you're being triggered all the time, I attest to number one, first look at that trigger. And is it God's way of saying you're in danger? You know, is your husband doing something they need you to be on alert on? And it might not be a big R relapse where he's going out and having an affair, but he might be doing another slow fade to the edge of the cliff mm -hmm. and taking those steps to the edge. And God could be saying danger, danger, warning. Those mm -hmm. are reasons for triggers. Absolutely. Listen to them. Be mindful of them. Of them. They are a sweet gift from the Holy Spirit. Right. Or if you look around, you're like, no, husband's doing okay. I mean, he's meeting with people. He's, I, I don't believe it's that. I don't believe it's this trigger is warning me of any danger. I've assessed the situation. I'm not in danger. Maybe the situation, the reason why you're being triggered is because there's something in your heart that still needs to work in forgiveness. And that's what I realized is the majority of my triggers didn't have anything to do with Lamar anymore. Uh, when we got further into recovery, it was God shining a light on areas that I still needed to work on with forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. That's really beautiful. That's really good. And that kind of, that goes into the next point that we see in verse four. It's, you know, are you welcoming restoration? And Joseph says to his brothers, come near to me. He welcomes them back in. He doesn't push them away. If you're working towards restoration of the relationship, part of forgiveness is being able to welcome your spouse back into your space. And that, you know, Christina, you, you touched on that about IA. And, and sometimes IA happens as a result of right. a spouse that, has, that is sexually addicted, that yeah. you know you start to become IA. That's right. um, but that's something that you, that to test forgiveness is, it's not a pushing away. And I know it's hard and that doesn't mean that overnight, you know, that it's right back to where it should be or, you know, that it's perfect, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's bringing back in, it's coming back into relationship with me. It's not a pushing away. Right. It's moving towards, it's moving towards reconnecting really, you know, rebuilding intimacy, but it's, it's both parties really. It's, 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 it's this dance. Mm -hmm. That's correct. And then verse five, we have, are you helping the offender forgive themselves? Joseph said to his brothers, don't be angry with yourselves. So he helped release them mm. from the guilt and shame they were carrying. Restorative forgiveness means helping the betrayer forgive themselves. Are you holding it over them? Or are you helping them to forgive themselves? And I would imagine, Christina, like with Lamar, we hear him talking a lot about how he just carried so much pain and guilt. And, and what did that look like in the process for you of helping Lamar forgive himself? Oh, yeah. I think today we hear so much that the, and, and I love it, forgi you know, forgiveness sets you free. And there's a beautiful song about it that I absolutely love and adore. But forgiveness is so much more than just setting yourself free. Yes, it does. It sets you free and it's essential for that. But you are setting the offender free too, because that shame destroys them. And, and if you are choosing to stay in your marriage, that shame is what feeds their addiction cycle where they need to medicate. And they may stay away from their sexual sin, but they will go medicate someplace else if they're feeling shame. And they might bring on, they might uh, adapt a new uh, addiction, a co-addiction. The majority of sex addicts also have co-addictions. And it could be something that seems innocuous as well. It could be getting involved in the church and recovery with men all yeah. the time. And, yeah. and that's their new addiction. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's, it's, uh, I think that grace we extend to if you choose to stay in the marriage and you see your husband doing the work, that grace helps them so much with their recovery. Uh, the the other people, um, you know, that I think this is important to address too. It's not just for the the one that's been offended and the offender. It's also for our kids to see. That's right. You know, that, that model yeah. of forgiveness, Chris, that you're such a beautiful example of that you have eight kids at home that are looking up to you and you're mirroring, mirroring what, how Jesus forgave us to your kids and what, what it looks like for you. I don't know, but I can already see what it's going to do and what it is doing for your children and for your legacy and for your friends and for your family. And you know, I think of, uh, we were talking the, um, just yesterday, or I guess it was today, ladies, about Stephen. He was being stoned to death, y'all, stoned yeah. to death. And he says, forgive them, Father. He didn't get to see the fruits of what his forgiveness was going to look like. Right. But guess who was standing right there when he died, watching him say, forgive them? It was Saul. Saul was standing right there, who later became Paul, 
who, I mean, I think we, uh, many of you know what Paul did. Uh, he's, he's just one of the most amazing, uh, you know, people in, in the New Testament we can read about and what he's written and what he's done. So we don't know what that forgiveness, if we're going to glean the fruits or if it's going to be our children, if it's going to be Judah, you know, who, who it's going to be, but we do it out of obedience. We don't do it for the outcome. Right, right, That's Tiana exactly and Chris right. said it's not you and I and the three of us. We didn't choose to obey because we we were promised uh, happily even after. We were promised easy. We were promised, um, you know, whatever. We did it out of obedience to what Jesus did for us on the cross. Period. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, Christina, someone asked um, just a minute ago, "What if your husband is not doing I the work? Then he's too. not yeah. truly repentant." That's I'm right. sorry. Yeah. That's it. He's not repentant. Yeah. But but here's the thing, if you do not forgive, then the pipe is clogged yeah. and you can't hear. You won't know what to do. That's true. Okay, so the most important thing is really the submission, this total surrender to God, which is total obedience to his process. And the process is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And when you unclog the pipe, you can hear from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not just, oh, I'm going to let you feel this or whatever. It's pinpoint instructions. Exactly. Pinpoint. He will use things that will clearly talk to you in yeah. your situation you'll be amazed of like all this time you know when, when you're living in addiction i think one of the things that gets desensitized is our intuition it's our ability to hear from the holy spirit because we're constantly minimizing pain we're minimizing uh what what, what our spouses are doing or whatever you know it's like and and we lose that we we dis, we get desensitized but when you start moving in in um um towards forgiveness then you unclog the pipe and now the Holy Spirit is able to talk to you because your heart is soft. That's right. When it's hard, yeah. he can't do anything there. That's right. And a beautiful, right. easy step, and I say easy, but it's probably going to be the hardest thing in the world for you to do, uh, is a step towards that forgiveness that you can take today. What is just that one step, it's getting on your knees and praying for that husband that's not doing the work. Are you saying, forgive him, Father? Or he does not know what he is doing the way that Jesus did on the cross, the way that Stephen did when he was being stoned to death. Are you on your knees saying, whatever has a stronghold, Lord, let it go off of him? Are you praying for him? Mm -hmm. I mean, and and I, I'm not saying that your prayers, you can't pray for the outcome that's, that is up to God, but that that is for your heart. That is for your recovery. That is for you to release him because you cannot control him. You cannot make him do the work. Your eyes need to be on Jesus during the season. Yeah, what does right. God need you to do with your recovery, with your heart? And I, I, I attest to that many women that when they get their eyes off their husband, if their husband has a chance of having their hearts change, your grace and your action and your obedience to God demands their respect. Absolutely. If their heart's going to be softened. Absolutely. Just will. It yes. just will. But yeah. you can't yeah. you can't do it to manipulate them, and there's there's nothing you can do to make them do recovery. That's right. Yeah. And I'll piggyback off of that with my own experience is that you you're not a good judge at this point of of knowing whether or not your husband's work in recovery is spot on or if he's really right. lacking. Yes. Unless you have gone through healing yourself, mm -hmm. and like Christina and Tiana are saying, you take your your eyes off of him mm -hmm. and what he's done and you put 1000% focus on Jesus and your healing. That's and right. as you begin to heal, he will begin to speak to you and you'll learn how to test if mm -hmm. there's true repentance. And then it'll become so crystal clear it will. because it's like oil and water. You can't have healthy and unhealthy dwelling in the same, and you're confused about, well, is that healthy? If you're healthy, unhealthy is gonna look real clear. That's right. There is no okay. denying what that looks like. And your decision to stay or go, will be very evident to you. The, the Holy Spirit will lead you, he'll guide you, he'll show you, he but focus on your healing. Um, and then the last point that I just wanted to make with um, in verse nine about forgiveness and testing if, if your heart is forgiving is, are you seeking vengeance? You know, Joseph um, sent his brothers back to their father and said, go quickly, go back to the, my, our father, gather everything, get everything and come back to Egypt, come quickly. He didn't tell his brothers, you go and you tell everybody what you did to me. You tell our father. <laughs> he protected that relationship. Mm. He wasn't out seeking vengeance. You know, scripture clearly says vengeance is mine. If we try to take it into our, your hand, there, there's your reward. If you want vengeance on your own, 
then that's your reward. It's over and done. Yeah. Let God handle that business. You just mm-hmm. focus on on restoration and forgiving and let God take care of the rest. That's right. And that's funny you say that because right now I'm, I'm studying the Beatitudes and I'm on the third one, which is on meekness. And and Jesus calls us to be meek. This isn't like some people are born that way or whatever. If you're a born again Christian and the Holy Spirit resides in you, you have the ability to become meek through Christ. And meekness is not weakness. Meekness is very strong. Meekness has divine anger in it. It's not what we think it is. But the meekness that Jesus talks about is a trust. It is it is anchored in trust in who the father is. This is a father and child relationship. If you know that your father is trustworthy, you know he is there for you, you can be meek in a sense that you know that no matter what happens, you will inherit the earth. You have a promise that God is going to fulfill. Otherwise, you die in your wilderness. If you take matters into your own hands through unforgiveness, whatever choices you make, you'll keep wandering in your wilderness, whatever that looks like. You'll never find Mm -hmm. your way out no matter how hard you try. You'll keep wandering in there. But if you choose to submit and surrender to Jesus Christ, you are going to enter into your promised land because you're going to trust that your father is trustworthy. and He is faithful to his word and his promises. And that's the that is the promise is God can use your pain and suffering to get you to your promise. That's right. That's it. That's As, right. And, and but forgiveness is the conduit. That's right. We're not going to get there without forgiveness. You're not going to get to the next place. So if you enjoy being miserable and living without joy and constant triggers, then don't forgive and be done with it. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to get through this and you want to experience joy, whether that is reconciliation or not, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is the answer. That's it. That's that's the key. right. That's right. And. And with that note, on that note, let's close this. <laughs> this is powerful. This is really, really powerful. You know, I'm like, this is one of the most powerful webinars I've ever had the privilege of being in. You know, thank you, Carissa. That was a powerful message. I'm glad you were obedient and you went with it. You were a little nervous I was about this so morning. Nervous. I'm still, yeah. Ladies, yeah, come on. Let's I'm, give her a big clap. I no. mean, that, that was that was awesome. That was awesome. No, that that is what happens when we submit and we just allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us. You know, he sometimes we want to come totally prepared, but a lot of times God just uses you with what you have. I see a heart going up there. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. I know we have to go, but the Lord, yeah. I, can I share one more thing? Yes. That's very yes. important. Go with that. I, yes. I didn't share. Yes. That was pivotal to me. You know, in the beginning, I said that I, I saw what forgiveness looked like, and I saw what unforgiveness looked like. But I want to tell you the story about a little girl named Ruth. And I want to leave you with that because it impacted me in a way Mm. that has carried, it will carry on with me for the rest of my life. Um, Some of the work that that I have done has been in Africa and the slums. And and there's a little girl that uh, her mother was killed. And from the age of three years old, she was prostituted and, and raped by her family over and over and over again she was sold into the community i mean it was just horrendous what happened to this little girl she shouldn't be functioning she should not even be able to have a cohesive thought and when i met her for the first time i was sitting down in the slums in nairobi and she was singing and i just sat there and i I knew her story and i knew at this time she's like eight nine years old and i knew what had happened to her for, for five six years of her life and I looked at her and I said, Ruth, how are you so happy? Why are you, what makes you so happy, Ruth? And she said, because God has forgiven me. <sighs> and it took my breath away because I thought, what would God need to forgive you from? What, what could you possibly, everything that has been done to you, how can you say that? And she said, if God can forgive me, then he can forgive everybody for everything they've ever done to me. And I forgive them for what they've done for me. It left me speechless. And I thought, here is this eight-year-old child who has been repeatedly raped, sold. I mean, she lost her mother. Her mother was killed. And she's forgiving. And she's forgiving what has done from her. I never, ever will go through life and not ponder Ruth's story and think, if that child knew Jesus in that way and knew forgiveness, who am I? Who am I to not stop exactly. and pause and say mm-hmm. that child overcame and I and I followed her story and and I know that she's still serving the Lord and she's gone on to college <laughs> and she's doing all these amazing things in her life and it's just um, like it's so powerful if Ruth can do it we can do it ladies yeah Amen. we can. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you shared that. Just beautiful. And I wonder how many of our sisters here are Mm. struggling with unforgiveness. 
you know, especially after hearing that story, hearing the, the, you know, what we shared here today, what are we holding on to with our fists that we're saying, I, I can't let go of that? Whether it's your husband or your ex-husband, or whether it's the affair partner or affair partners, the porn industry, the prostitute, whoever it is that's on your heart that you have not forgiven, why can't today we each just take one step to being obedient to what Jesus calls us to do and to let go and to forgive? And so that's what I want to do when we close in prayer is just everyone just search your heart for an area of unforgiveness that you have. And, and to just offer that person up in prayer and offer your own heart up in prayer too, to let go of the pain, to surrender the debt, to give up the retribution and to let go of a hope that your past could have been differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's how I'd like to close out in prayer. If that's okay with you ladies, is that all right? Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, both of you for being here. And we are going to continue this topic. We're going to address your questions. We have more to cover a lot, just, I mean, just a lot of gold here, ladies. So make sure you um, let your, um, just watch it if you missed out or stay tuned with us. I believe it's October 14th will be part two, uh, same time, 10 a.m. So if everyone could just, you know, just take a deep breath and just unclench your hands and open up your hands of a posture of surrender. And dear Lord, I just pray on behalf of each and every woman here that we choose today to forgive. We're not going to be able to forget, and it doesn't mean we're going to reconcile, and it doesn't mean we're going to brush everything under the rug, but we will forgive because you forgave us, and it's been paid for. Everything has been paid for on the cross, Lord, from the infidelity, from the betrayal, from the the porn addictions, from the lies, the deceit, from our husbands, our own sins, if we're struggling forgiving ourselves, Uh, for the people that have been a part in the pain in their past, that we've carried old wounds, whatever that looks like, Lord, we are opening our hands. And today we just say, forgive them, Lord, forgive them. And and we let go of the debt. We are not going to take it back. We are surrendering it to you. And we do it just out of pure obedience and love for what you did for us. I thank you, Lord, for these sisters. I thank you for their courage for being here and for coming with an open mind and an open ear and for just opening up their hearts to your word and to your truth. In your precious name, we all pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Christina. Thank That's you. beautiful. <laughs> Love Thanks, you, everyone. ladies. Bye, ladies. Love you all. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. I can't reach them. <laughs>